Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast. It is good to be with you again, and I'm particularly excited about a new sermon series that we are beginning uh, this Sunday that will last uh, for the next five weeks. And the series is called uh, The Bible Doesn't Tell Me So, and I'll explain more about what that is in a minute. But before I get there, let's read the passage that we'll be focusing on today. This comes from the Book of Romans, uh, a letter written by a man named Paul, and this will be chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good, for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that we might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this holy word. Several years ago, in one of my former churches, I preached a sermon and had found a quote online, and it said that the quote was from Nelson Mandela. I want to read this quote to you now. It says this, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. This is just part of a longer uh, reading, or writing, I should say, called Our Deepest Fear. And I read that and was inspired by it and... uh, talked about it in my sermon. I think I had it projected up on the screen in Nelson Mandela. Not long after that, uh, uh, one of the persons who came up to me was so inspired by this writing that he printed it out and he carries it in his wallet. Uh, And he is kind of the, the person who spreads the gospel of this particular writing. I soon found out, however, as what happens sometimes in the internet, is that the internet will uh, give attribution to a writing that's really not the person who wrote or said it. I found out not long after that that Nelson Mandela did not write this. Instead, that's a woman who is a spiritual writer named Marianne Williamson. 
with all due respect to Marian Williamson, uh, she's, I'm sure, a fine writer. She is not uh, necessarily uh, Nelson Mandela. And so I had to tell some folks uh, about this. In fact, I had to tell this person who carried it around in his wallet that, you know, I was wrong. Uh, it's not Nelson Mandela who said that. And the look on his face was disappointment, real disappointment, that this wasn't Nelson Mandela who had said this. Shouldn't have taken away necessarily with what this writing had said, or this truth that spoke to him, but still you could tell he was disappointed. And then not long after that, I heard him continue to talk about this passage, and he still was giving attribution to Nelson Mandela, even though I told him he didn't write it. And I decided not to bother with it anymore. You know, we run into lots of examples, perhaps where we believe a story to be true, but it really isn't. So during this sermon series I mentioned earlier, this new one that we're calling For the Bible Doesn't Tell Me So, we wanted to explore some famous sayings that many people believe are in the Bible and really aren't, even though maybe they've even been told this is not in the Bible. And yet it's so lodged in their brain. And for them, they draw something from it that they can't bring themselves to believe this really isn't in the Bible. So we don't want to burst anyone's bubbles per se, and we acknowledge that some people may have drawn comfort from some of these sayings. But in the end, we fear that these sayings, because people think they're from the Bible, may also paint an inaccurate picture of who God is. So that's the impetus for this new sermon series. And we'll be going over phrases that we hear that really aren't in the Bible. Today, the phrase is, Everything happens for a reason. You may have heard this used by someone in your own life, and I think usually it's used by people who are well-meaning when they're faced with a circumstance that we just can't explain. We hear this certainly in tragedy. Someone has died unexpectedly or something awful has happened. And because we can't answer this big question, perhaps one of the, if not the biggest question for people of faith, why do bad things happen to seemingly good people, The only thing we can come up with, well, there has to be a reason. There has to be a reason for this. And so we just say, well, you know, there's a reason for everything. Even if we don't know it, we we trust that God, God has a reason for this. We kind of chalk it up maybe to God as this invisible puppet master, albeit a kind one, but still a puppet master who is putting all things into place, uh, even if it seems like it's a mystery. But if we really begin to take apart this saying and really begin to look in underneath what we say, it doesn't make the puppet master out to be very kind at all. I mean, all you have to do is go on some sort of news resource and you see all of the awful things that happen every single day. Just this morning, I went on the Chicago Web Tribune website in their main news section. And these were, of the, there are five main Uh, These are the top stories that they listed. There are four of them. There was a stabbing in the loop here in Chicago. There was a sexual assault. There was a robbery and a sexual assault. And there was a man swept into Lake Michigan by a huge wave and who died. So, and I'm sure we can look at any news resource that, uh, whatever your favorite one is, and every single day we read these things. And so, If we keep going back to, well, everything has a reason. And if I'm God, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's take, uh, I'm not sure I want to be given credit, credit in quotation marks. I don't know if I want to be given credit for these things that you say I have 
a reason for. So let's help God out here, do a little bit of public relations work for God, and begin to really look at some different ways that people can look at God and how it might relate to this saying. If indeed, it's this saying of that everything has a reason. So again, I, I mentioned that when some people mention this, they think that God is this uh, person who has control. It says this large control board. Uh, maybe you imagine God in heaven or something like that. There's this large control board, and God is finagling these uh, levels and dials and all these things, making things happen, and we can't quite figure it out, but still, uh, that's who God is. A couple of weeks ago, I was... Uh, we were going through my daughter's, one of my daughter's old toy chests, and in this toy chest are all these stuffed animals, including these two dolls, or one of the dolls anyway. They have, sadly, one of them is, is missing in action. But I would play with her as, when she was a little girl, and she had these two dolls that were named Bridget and Celeste. And we would uh, play with them, and I would come up with voices for Bridget and Celeste, and it was one of Caroline's favorite games that we would play as a child, I think we've all probably had this experience that when we play with dolls, and it's almost like, I'm sure there are lots of reasons, I don't know the full extent of why we enjoy this, uh, but in a sense, it's kind of like we're playing God, that we are bringing life to these inanimate objects, and we can make them do whatever we want, and we control the narrative of this playtime. And so, for some people, they may think that God is this micromanager, that God is the one and we are the dolls who are going into uh, all of our lives. There are lots of different ways of describing this theological insight of who God is, but it's not exactly this, but one one way of describing it perhaps is a a phrase called theological determinism. And that means that uh, this idea that everything happens according to God's plan and will, and that God is directing everything, so that God must will, and in some case cause, everything that happens. There's a theologian, a 16th century theologian named John Calvin, who said, no wind ever rises or rages without God's special command. Another way of looking at this is a phrase called predestination, which is slightly different, I think, maybe than, than what I'm talking about here. But generally speaking, this is what I'm getting at. So one biblical passage that some may look to as a way to back this up, this is from Luke 12, when Jesus says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And yet, not one of them is forgotten in God's sight, but even the hairs of your head are all counted. So this sense of that God knows everything that's going on. God's in charge. So the problem sometimes with this is you begin to ask really good questions. What does that mean if you talk about having free will? Do we have choices in our lives? Can we say yes or no to what God might be doing in our own lives. A big theological question that I have is, can God be surprised? Or does God, again, know everything and that there's a a reason for absolutely everything that happens? And I think there are some biblical verses, in fact, I'll put this up on the Podbean page, that point to perhaps that God is surprised by what humanity does. This way of looking at God, uh, I find a little bit troubling that God is causing all of these things for a higher purpose, that God is causing a stabbing, a sexual assault, a a wave. What purpose, what reason would there be for a wave to sweep up into Lake Michigan and for a man to die because of it? And yet this is the 
message that people hear sometimes. Well, we don't we don't know, but everything happens for a reason. And again, I think if I'm God, I'm not thrilled with this characterization that everything, even these awful, awful things are happening for because God is, is making it so. And I just can't, I can't believe that. I can't believe that this is a God who, in the passage that we read today in verse 31, it says, so what are we going to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? This way of, of thinking of God doesn't sound like a God who is for us. It sounds like a God who has all these awful machinations in mind in order to, to bring about some greater purpose. And I know I've talked to some folks this week for whom this, this saying that everything happens for a reason is painful because they've lost a loved one and they can't, they can't be drawn to a God for whom that would be a reason that a stabbing or a shooting or a sexual assault or someone drowning, that, that, that there must be some reason for that. And even though there might be some biblical foundations that some people will point to, including the passage today, and I'll get to this in a moment, I think there are other passages that point to the fact that this is not true, that a God of love, that a God of, is, who is for us, these would not be reasons that these things would happen. Now, certainly there are some ways that we can explain these awful things. Certainly we can chalk some of this up to sin and free will and the things that people do. And sometimes it's hard to explain things like a wave coming up and a person drowning because of it. And I wish I could give you answers today, but I believe firmly that one answer is not that there is a reason that these things happen. Now, if you go, if the theological determinism is on one end If you go to the other end, one end might be what's called deism. Deism says that God created all things uh, and then essentially puts things into motion and then puts the whole thing on autopilot. So essentially kind of God spins the earth around and says, all right, earth, uh, I've given you all you need and I'm just going to step back and watch what happens and you all can figure it out yourself. This is a God who doesn't intercede at all uh, or some uh, ways of thinking about God theologically is that God has limited God's self, and that God doesn't or can't uh, intercede in any way. And there's some ways for some folks for whom that makes sense. But I also don't believe that either. I just have believed in too many times in my life when I felt like there has been a reason or that there's been a, a time when God has interceded in some way that is beyond explanation. And I cannot explain to you why there might be an intercession in one case and not in another. But I believe that still God intercedes with love and healing and grace. I don't believe that God just steps back and kind of lets us go at it. So, where are we in this? Perhaps somewhere in between, at least for me anyway. I believe that this is a God who can be surprised. That grace is offered to all and that, yes, sometimes that we have choices We live in a beautiful world, but also we live in a broken world. We live in a world that has earthquakes and child illnesses. And this is a question that cannot be fully answered for all. But in the end, perhaps the key verse from this passage today from from Romans that says that God makes all things work together for good with those who love him. That's perhaps the key part of this verse today, another way of translating it uh, that I read this week from a commentator who said that we know that God works all things together for good for the ones who love God, for those who are calling, who are called according 
to God's purpose. The pastor and writer Adam Hamilton says that Paul isn't saying that God makes everything happen for a reason or that whatever happens was part of God's will and plan. Rather, Paul is saying that no matter what happens, however bad it may be, God will somehow bring good out of the situation for those who love him. And that's where the mystery sometimes is hard to deal with. And we want answers so much. And ultimately, we don't have definitive ways of explaining why certain things happen. But I do believe, I do believe that out, no matter what's happening, somehow, some way, God can bring good out of it. And sometimes it may seem like it takes forever for that to happen. I'm going to use another illustration this week that I actually used just last week. We had a beach service at Urban Village. Uh, and so I think this may be the first time in my ministry that I've ever used an illustration two weeks in a row. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure, perhaps when you when we worship at the beach, I don't know exactly how much of what I said sunk into people. So I'm going to use it again. And I'm also going to show a video. And I'm going to put this on the Podbean page too, so you can take a look at this. It's about a man named Elcindo Sores. Uh, and Alcindo Sores lives in a country in Western Africa, off the coast of Western Africa, called Cape Verde. And this was a story put out there. There's an, uh, an organization called One Good Story. And they highlight these uh, people in our, in our world that perhaps wouldn't necessarily be in the news. But uh, Alcindo Sores lives in Cape Verde, uh, which in many ways is a country in Africa that people point to as really making great progress. But still, even so, uh, there are those who live be below the world economic poverty line, those who live on about $1.50 a day. I don't know if this is true for Alcindo, but he works in construction. And he also has a real desire to be fit. And also, I read one article that says he wants to be a professional athlete one day. And so he would love to do this, and yet he can't afford to join a gym there in Cape Verde. And so one other thing that he would do is he would walk along the ocean there on the coast, and he noticed that trash would come up on the coast uh, all the time. And then he had this revelation that he would take the garbage that comes up on the shore uh, and begin to put it together, and he literally created a gym there on the shores of Cape Verde. And so people can do curls, they can do push-ups, they can uh, do uh, work their uh, backs and lats, and all these really wonderful ways, these benches, pull-ups, all these things that people can do there on the ocean. And I'm inspired by this story because of the way that Alcindo knew this thing that he wanted to accomplish. He didn't have the means for it. And so he figured out, is there another way for this to happen? And literally, it was garbage. It was literal garbage that he decided, this is what I'm going to create. This is how I'm going to, to utilize what I want to accomplish. He didn't know exactly how this garbage came up on the shore. I mean, you could probably assume that some person somewhere was throwing it in the ocean. But he didn't bother himself too much with that question. Instead, he said, this is what I see. What can I take out of it that can bring good? And he did just that. And that's, I think, in the end, a much better question. I'm not saying it's not good to, to ask ourselves and to really wrestle with these questions of what we call theodicy, these why do awful things happen in our world? 
it's good to wrestle with this, to ponder, to search the scriptures, to talk to friends about it. In the end, I don't think anybody can truly know the definitive answer. And I don't think we can also just say, well, everything, there's a reason for everything, because then that this is a God then who causes awful, awful things in order to bring about some larger purpose. And again, I don't feel like that's a God who is for us, as the scripture says here in this passage from Romans. So while I can't answer that question, I can and do believe that no matter what happens in our lives, somehow, some way, good can be brought out of it because we love God. Sometimes we can see it and understand it. Sometimes it may take time, maybe even years for us to really understand and look back and say, I I can't imagine, I do not know why this thing happened, but I know that still somehow God was faithful and that somehow good came, came out of this. Not that God caused it, but that God was there in the midst of it. And God was transforming the pain because God is one who also knows pain in having God's son die for us. God knows pain. And so I hope that we will think twice before using this phrase. Now that we know that it's really not in the Bible, perhaps we can use a different way of describing who God is. That this is a God who will not be separated from us no matter what. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. That this is a God who is truly for us. And that this is a God who, no matter what happens, somehow good will come out of our own lives. I hope this is the message that we can proclaim about who God truly is. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening today. Uh, I will be back uh, in two weeks uh, with another sermon podcast. Until then, you can listen to my other podcast, Failing Boldly, and you can find out more about my ministry going to my website, christiankuhn.com, or you can email me, chris at urbanvillagechurch.org, and I'm always happy to respond and, and get in touch with folks who would like to do so. So until the next time that we're together, may the peace of Christ be with you.